Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee. My name's Sean Lee, I'm managing partner here at Elevated Retirement Group. And, and here's another podcast that I'm really excited about today. We started our, you know, our video webinar series with uh, my ex-Major League Baseball player. Today we've got uh, an author of, of a smart book that, that we've been using and talking about and reading, a good buddy of mine, Matt Zagula. Matt, hey, how's it going? Good. Great to be with you today, my friend. Yeah, well, I want to keep today kind of light. Uh, I know that the topic we're going to talk about tends to weigh in a lot of people's minds with you know, the changing economy, you know, rising debt, this big stimulus package that has just been issued out and there's word that there's going to be another stimulus package. But today, I really want to talk about your philosophies on, on tax planning, uh, why you wrote the book that you wrote, and really what you're seeing based on all the research and, and everything that, that you've done. Yeah. So now kind of give me a, an idea of how the book uh, Smart Retirement came about. You know, I was uh, studying the way that we earn income in America. And I was, for the, the vast majority of us accumulate what we accumulate during our lifetime based on savings. So I, I dug into the Bureau of Labor Statistics and I quickly realized that the majority of our money doesn't go towards savings. So in retirement planning, we have a hem heavy emphasis on where are we going to put this money. But at best, the average American gets up to 10% of their income into some type of long-term savings vehicle. So I've said, well, where is all this money going, right? Well, you know, 40% uh, of our money goes to some form of tax. Now, that's not federal and just state and local. But, you know, if you're driving home and you're getting a gallon of gas, there's tax in that. If you're staying in a hotel in the future after the crazy world we live in today, there's a tax on that. You know, there's literally... Uh, 50 some different types of taxation. And when you aggregate those together, we, we do lose uh, about 40 cents on every dollar that we earn. So when we looked at that big 40 versus that 10% savings, it made a lot more sense to me. Is there a way to discount the effects of taxation rather than trying to out earn the next guy? Okay. So, and that's how the book came along. And, and I've got the second edition in, in front of me now. So you, re you wrote a first edition. Yes. And one thing that I found that was was interesting is that it wasn't you that wrote the foreword. It wasn't you that, you know, giving your opinion. You actually had a doctor write the foreword for you. Yeah. So how did that come about and, and why? Why yeah. a medical doctor? Why did you have him write it? You know, uh, it, he's a good friend. Uh, Dr. Wilson's right. an interesting guy. He uh, he was before Oz. He was the the it doctor in, in the media. He's re frequently was on um, uh, Oprah. Uh, you know, he's been on all the big shows. He's a celebrity doctor. He's my he's my personal doctor. And uh, we got together and we talked about finance a lot. He's done very, very well. He wrote um, the you books, uh, you know, you on a diet, you, your boy, he sold 40 million copies. The guy's amazing. You know, so he, he's an author and he and obviously with selling that many books, he's, he's into money, too. You know, but he was working on a financial book. And we started talking about concepts and taxes. And he's like, we really didn't go there. And uh, he wrote that with Gene uh, Chatsky, I believe, is who he wrote that book with. Uh, it's about health and wealth. And there is a tie between our health and our wealth. And, uh, you know, we just started talking. I said, hey, you know, you, I'm, I'm writing this book on the strategic movement around retirement taxation. And he's like, that makes sense to me. He says, tell me about it. So we started talking and he's like, wow, he said, that really, sounds really great. I said, you know, why don't you put together a forward? I'd love to have you as the forward. I, it wasn't really 
it was more just friendship and discussion and the fact that he's an extremely bright human being. That was it. There's no, there's no backstory. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not sure why you didn't have me write it. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, you know, you were my second. You were right yeah. behind. Yeah, really, really close second, I'm sure. So, I, I mean, a lot of this in this book, there's a lot of philosophies around, you know, where, where tax rates are going to go. You know, there's debts increasing, but money's so cheap right now. And, and, and so that a lot of different people have, have their, their own philosophies on kind of where our tax rates are, are going to go. Uh, can you give me your, you got a, your viewpoint, your philosophies on, on where things are going to head and, and why? Yeah, well, we know, we, we, we certainly know that in, uh, on January uh, 1st of 2026, the tax rates are scheduled to revert back to the 2017 schedule, which is an increase from where we are today. So we know in the future rates are increasing because they're scheduled to increase. Mm -hmm. The question is, when you look at the estimated stimulus that's happened since COVID-19 came around, you know, this uh, pandemic, there has been an increase in money printing and stimulus to the tune of what they believe will be $6 trillion. Um, $6 trillion on an existing debt of $23 trillion is a 25% plus increase in debt in, in the span of a year. You know, it took our nation its entire history to get to there, and we've bumped it up 25% uh, in, in less than a year. So if we take those rates from 17 and say that we need to recapture some of those dollars, which we do. I mean, you know, you, you can only run and live on the credit card so long. Someone's got to eventually pay. And that's, in essence, what's happening here. And they bump those rates 25% then or 26%. You're looking at, you know, 24% rates going up to 35, the highest rates going, you know, 50 or north. And, you know, these are punitively difficult tax levels to deal with. So, you know, tax, the approach that you're, you're, you're taking with tax awareness for an advisor like you, which I know you do, is critical. You can't out-earn taxation at that kind of level on a consistent basis. So you've got to become tax aware. You've got to become tax diversified. And you've got to create an approach that takes into consideration a very likely rising tax scenario as we move forward. Yeah, and there's one one thing that I like about the book because I've, I've I've seen other books like this, and and you know there's there's a lot of different philosophies, and you know the one thing that I that I really enjoyed in reading the book was that it's not product focused, right? It's yeah, there there are tools that are out there that can be used, but the, I think the the driving point was it takes some planning, like and we talk a lot about this whether it's on other pod on our podcast or or when we're meeting with, with clients or, or individual families, it takes some work, but it's more about the process of planning, not the process of this magical dangly product that, that's out there. So that, that's one thing that I, that I really enjoyed it, about the book itself. But you know, the, when we start to talk about the guts of the book, you, know, you, you talk in the very beginning about these, very, these two important dates. You know, the world's changing, and, and you ask the question, are you changing with it? And we talk a lot about that and an analogy that I use in a lot of our classes, if I were to ask you what color a stop sign is, what would you say? Well, red. it's red and white. But if I asked you what color a yield sign is, what would you say? I think it's yellow, but I know it's not. It's exactly right. Yeah. And most people say that it's yellow and black, but the yield sign hasn't been yellow and black for 50 years. It's red and white. Well, I am older than you. Yeah. See, I've never been alive when the yield sign was yellow and black. 
but the cool thing about that is that I asked, I answered the question yellow and black because in our mind, we think, okay, stoplight goes from green, goes to yellow. We're supposed to yield. And I look at my son's toys and he's got a bunch of car sets and things like that. Yield signs are still yellow and black, but inherently we go to this old way of thinking that could cause irreparable harm to us in this, really in this new way. And so when we start to look at this, uh, the world's changing, uh, that really drove home with me that, you know, are you going to change and is your planning going to change with you as, as things adjust? So talk a little bit about that. What are those, what are those dates? And then talk to me about how taxes really adjust. It's really about the baby boomer generation. And I think that, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on it a bit, but it's, it's a conversation that does need to take place between an individual and their advisor. You know, why is the world different today than it was before? You know, why can't I just do what I did before? Well, the reality is there's a shifting in the age demographics. And those shifts based on baby boomers are changing money flows. And the money flows into markets and out of markets are changing based on things like required minimum distribution, Mm -hmm. based on the number of people now that are on, you know, Medicare that used to be on company health insurances. So you, you have this sequence of three dates that have changed the face and future of the American retirement system, and nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, but these are huge shifts in who pays what, and ultimately the payor becomes a lot more government-oriented. And when the payor becomes a lot more government-oriented, where they're, they're out of pocket, there's only one way for them to recover that. That's taxes. So that shift is a big seismic uh, change. And for the vast majority of people that are probably listening to your uh, podcast today, you know, the, the reality is the vast majority of us have oversaved in the pre-tax area. So when you get overweighted there, you know, what's so bad about having a lot of money somewhere? Well, it's better than having no money, I guess, but the money becomes tricky to deal with because of the shift and baby boomers, and aging, and taxation, and benefits. You know, two-thirds of the government's budget today is allocated. You know, the, the people think, I think, that, you know, the, the Congress and Senate sit down and figure out, you know, how, where this money, they don't. Two-thirds of it already has to go just to fix benefits like Medicare, you know, Medicaid, Social Security. And as that percentage grows and grows and grows, it chokes out everything else. So we, we, we have a really serious situation here that, you know, there's not an easy solution to it because at some point you got to pay. The idea is you either pay a little bit or you pay a lot. If you do the default planning and just follow what everyone has always done and ignore the realities of the situation that we're in, you will pay a very big amount of money of taxes. So it requires tax aware planning, which is something someone like you and your area knows how to do. You know, how, it's how do we move these pieces around? It could be a big difference between whether something is in an IRA or a Roth IRA. The tax ramifications are very different. So when do we make these moves? How do we make these moves? How much do we move? These are these critical questions that uh, folks like uh, uh, that are listening need to ask you to help them figure out. Well, and, and, you know, that brings up a good point because it's, you know, there's not a magic number for everybody. And, and we talk about, you know, when you're strategically moving money from, you know, one asset, your tax classification to another, how much do you do it? When do you do it? How do you do it? 
And then you also have to take a look at, you know, the, where are you saving your assets? Because you know, back in the 80s, you know, when the government rolled out these retirement plans, it was a great deal. Hey, you know, you're going to get a tax deduction now. Don't worry. When you retire, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. We don't really know that. I don't, I don't have any control over what future tax law is going to do. Of course we don't, you know, and I think that's the difference. As, as we sit here today and you know, going back a few years when I put together the strategic movement around retirement taxation, the idea was, look, you know, you could be in a higher bracket than you think you're going to be, number one. Number two, you know, with the SECURE Act passing, your kids, if you leave money in this, your biggest benefactor for a lot of people that have big IRAs and 401k balance mm-hmm. will be the IRS. So th- this is money that's been being monitored for, for forever. You know, they know how much is there. They know your exact balance. You know, there, there's no way to get around that there's taxes here. It's just, when should I take the tax and, and what do I do with it? But as we sit here today, Sean, I'm finishing the next version of SMART, which is a different book called the strategic movement around rising taxation. Because as much as deferral has been a problem in the past and, and balancing between tax deferred, taxable and tax free has been really a critical component. I think going forward, we may have to look again at tax deferral if we get you know, that kind of uh, exponential growth in tax rates. So it's, it's really about understanding the relationship with taxes and your money which most do not, and most advisors do not. And uh, it's a rare breed of advisor like yourself who understands the importance of tax awareness and tax diversification. Right. So I want to get into what SMART is and what it means, and I'll let everybody know how they can actually get get the book. We've got a, a ton of copies here at our office, but there's one chapter where you talk about fuzzy financial math that the banks and Wall Street uses. You know, talk a little bit about that. You know, how, well, how's their math different? Yeah, there's two big killers of money. One is debt and the other is tax. And when we're young, debt is a huge problem. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you say to somebody, hey, you know, the fuzzy math that the, the banks use is, is how much your interest cost is because they really focus us all on the interest rate. So if you have a 30-year mortgage and it's brand new and you, you get a 4% interest rate, and you pay your first month's payment, when you look at how much you're paying in interest in month one versus the amount that's going towards principal, your effective interest cost is 65%. So 65 cents on every dollar that you're paying on that first month is going to the, to the bank, you know, to their bottom line. It's not buying you a, an extra nickel in that house. It's not buying you any more equity in that home. So ultimately, the fuzzy math that they use is more of a head fake. They're like, look at the interest rate, but that's not what you're paying. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that uh, that effective interest cost goes down over time. But if you take a really close look at the mortgage bankers statistics, the average American is refinancing about every 6.7 years. So we're perpetually staying at a effective interest cost of 50% plus. So it's really hard to get ahead whenever you're negatively compounding against yourself at 50%, and then you're saving a little bit over here in your 401k, and even if you're doing great, say you're earning 7% on average, you're just getting killed net-net because of the negative compounding of the debts that you're 
well, not managing. I, I was going to say managing, but you're not managing. They're managing you. And, and that's one of the fuzzy masks. The second is rate of return, which is just, I, rate of return is one of those right. things where I'm like, oh, good Lord. You know, I was looking at a spreadsheet the other day and someone just you know, repetitively is compounding 5%. That's fine. And we got to do something, right? But uh, one of the problems is, I think an example in the book is, that, you know, you, we, we, we enter into an investment, you and I, Sean, and uh, we get a hundred percent return, and then the next year we lose fifty percent, and then we earn a hundred percent, and then we lose fifty percent. Well, we put dollars to that; that one dollar grows to two. But when we lose fifty percent, we're back to a dollar, and that hundred percent the next year grows our dollar to two, and then of course we lose fifty percent more. And now we're back to a dollar, so we haven't made anything, right? We're, right. we're, we're zero, but the average rate of return on that is going to be the positive one hundred the negative 50, the positive 100, the negative 50 divided by four, we have an average rate of return of 25%, which sounds stellar. The problem is we didn't make any money. You know? right. So um, a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of problems with averages and the interest rate thing with the banks that lend, it's really a problem of using a factor rather than the, re it's not even a real number. It's just a factor to calculate how much interest is going to be paid. But uh, yeah, it's pretty fuzzy. I <laughs> They rely on some fuzzy. They get us looking over here and are taking our money over there, you know? Well, and they, I think we're a society that's pay, more payment driven rather than actual owning of assets. So, you know, I saw a thing, an advertisement the other day, 84 month financing now is coming back for vehicles. It's yep. like, you're going to pay, pay for a car for four years longer than the average person keeps it, yep. you, you know? And, and so uh, unfortunately we get so caught up in, can I handle the monthly payment? not how am I going to own an asset and can perpetually build, build wealth. And I think that's really what the smart, kind of the smart philosophies are. And, and so let's jump into that. You know, we, we talked about why the book was written. Let's talk about what smart is, what it means, and I'll let everybody know how they can get, how they can get the book. Yeah, I think there's two things that we, we really focus in on with smart and, and, and about being fiscally smart with your money. Mm -hmm. Number one is understanding taxation. And, and where your money is may matter more than what you earn. And how do you allocate it correctly between buckets? And I will tell you this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good description. I'm proud of the book, but it does take counseling. It's not like read it. This is not do-it-yourself stuff. I mean, I, I work with a lot of do-it-yourself investors. I don't know that it's a great idea, but you can't do tax-aware planning without somebody really assisting you unless you're, that's what you do. You know, so it, that's right. number one is, get really smart about your taxes and about being strategic about movement around retirement taxation. You know, so the compounding of our money in the environment, whether it's taxable, tax deferred or tax free, it matters a lot, especially today. Second thing is understanding how to really manage debts. I think the, one of the big failures in financial planning as an industry is the overemphasis on the savings component and the accumulation of the savings component with not nearly enough emphasis on tax and definitely not nearly enough emphasis on how we spend. Because for me, you know, I, look, I wrote the financial book. I, I'm, I'm in the financial industry. I understand finance. I understand when I buy something expensive that's going to depreciate, it's a really bad idea. I still do it, right? So you have to have some spending game in your mind on what you're going to do to allocate for large expenses that we want for lifestyle and happiness. 
And you know, if money's only purpose is to accumulate into the biggest balance, that doesn't sound like any fun at all to me. So I want it to turn into experiences. I want it to turn into things that I enjoy. I want it to turn into a, a great home for the family to live in. So these are things that we as financial professionals need to be very aware of and help manage that process for the inevitable large expenditures. The reason they're stretching financing out for 84 months is because someone who can't afford an $85,000 car over 60 can over 84, but they really can't. So right. it's about what you do before to prepare prudently for your lifestyle. And there is some, you know, there is a little frugality that's required in the beginning. But once you get compounding interest, I know we talk about this all the time. Everybody thinks they know what it means, but so few do. When you get compounding interest truly working for you, all these things get solved for you. But it takes a little discipline. It takes a little time. But once you get moving in the right direction, uh, the benefits are lifelong and beyond. Because, you know, if you do smart things today, not all the wealth that you are able to accumulate is there for you to serve you and your purpose, but what isn't used gets transferred to the family very efficiently. That's very important to me. You know, that's a very important aspect of what I do for myself and for what the vast majority of my clients want. It's not just, you know, hey, if there's something left over, great. You know, they would say, yeah, it's something left over, but I'd like there to be something left over because I got pretty good kids. So family-centric folks tend to like smart, you know. We, uh, it, it's, we're a society of, I want it now. I don't want to wait. Yep. And, and, you know, it's the boats, the, you know, whatever it may be, rather than just waiting a little bit to put the work in up front. I mean, and, and by waiting, you're going to be put yourself one financially better off down the road Two, you have more control over, over how your assets are going to be taxed down the road. Cause I think that, yep. you know, if you're financing a bunch of stuff, well, the only way that you can pay for that is through after-tax income where you're paying taxes on it. And you know, I hate to say it, but if taxes do go up, then your spendable income shrinks and the ability for you to save shrinks as well. And so when we start to look at, at, at true planning, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at, at this you know, from a debt perspective, from a tax perspective, from an income perspective. Yes. And one thing that I do like to want to drive home is that there's not one magic pill that, that fits all. I've got a call later on today about, you know, repositioning and, and looking at, at how assets should be structured. But I don't know if it, I don't know if there's anything that we can do at this point, you know, cause there's so much money in the IRAs and tax rates are already so high that, you know, do we pay another 30, 30% in taxes to, to get that money over? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. If the thought is, Hey, tax are going to roll up in, in five to six years. Right. Yep. I think that it's a, there's two things you said, and one of them was extremely insightful, and I'd like to repeat it, which was, you know, when we commit ourselves to long-term payments, if the taxes change, our net income changes, mm -hmm. and and the payments don't. Right. So if we have a, a if we have a you know payment here and a net income that was here to pay that payment, and our net income drops, we've got the potential for you know a seismic debt issue in this country, uh, like beyond. Not this isn't like the 2008 financial crisis. This is a Americans uh, overspend crisis, and it's everybody, you mm -hmm. know, where the taxes change, the nets, the payments don't adjust, and next thing you know, we got a lot of people that are really tight with their cash. So I think that was very insightful what you said there. And as far as repositioning of assets for tax awareness, 
you know, sometimes even a little bit goes a long way, you know, mm-hmm. just getting those buckets a little more in some level of balance makes sense. You know, certainly if someone's sitting on 94% of their money in tax deferred, and even though they're going to pay a little bit now, tell you what, no matter what they're going to pay, you know, at the highest bracket, which, you know, it's what I pay, you know, it, I still use my Roth. You know? yeah. I still think I might be in a higher tax bracket in the future. And uh, whether I am or I'm not, one thing is going to be nice that when I need money and I want to go dip in and buy something, you know, there is no tax on that. There's, you know, no income tax. There's no capital gain. There's no 1099. There's no, uh, under current law, no offset against social security in the future. Uh, There's no adjustment to Medicare premiums. So it's nice to have a bucket that you can go into and grab some cash Mm -hmm. without having to manage the consequences. And as money compounds and grows, the consequences compound and grow at a proportionate or greater likely uh, rate. Because if the money, uh, if you're today, you're in a 24% bracket and you find yourself in the future in a 35% bracket, you know, your money is only compounding whatever the market's giving you. Your tax rates right. are compounding by what's ever politically, you know, uh, approved at that time, which could be brutal. Yeah. And w- I don't have any control over that. Yeah. That's, we talk about what we can control, what we can't control. I can't control what inflation is going to do. I can't control what the market's going to do. I can't control what tax rates are going to do. Uh, but the one thing that I have, that we do have control over, all of us do, is how much effort, energy, and time we're going to put into our plan. That's the one thing that, that we can control. Now, I, I'll let everybody know, I've got the Smart Retirement book. Uh, we've got a bunch of copies of these. And so if you feel like you want a copy of, of Matt's book, Smart Retirement, Discover the Strategic Movement Around uh, Retirement Taxation, you can give us a call at 855-50-RETIRE. We'll, get, we'll mail you out an actual hard copy of the book. We're not going to digitally send it. We'll send it out, mail out a hard copy of the book. Uh, just give us a call at 855-50-RETIRE or just go to the website at elevatemyretirement.com and you can request the, the book there. Matt, with that, I appreciate you being on today. I know you're a busy man and I know we've had this scheduled for a couple of weeks. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and, uh, and what you share with uh, the folks who listen to your podcast even more, how you help your clients. I really appreciate you, Sean. I do. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Until next time, we'll talk to everybody soon. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.